covering all aspects of Milwaukee Brewers baseball. It's time for Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Here is your host, Matt Pauley. It is time for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. My name is Matt Pauley. Great to have you with us as uh, we go through another week worth of the offseason. Although, this was a busy week. There was, uh, there was a number of things that happened uh, this week including uh, the team hiring new hitting coaches. That is plural, new hitting coaches. Uh, There are some rumors out there uh, involving David Stearns. What does that really mean? Does it mean anything for uh, this team and for his future with the team uh, moving forward, team making a trade, uh, some award news continuing to come out? So, yeah, there's just uh, a number of things to certainly get to on the podcast uh, this week. And, uh, something that we'll continue to kind of discuss as we continue to move forward is uh, just the looming work stoppage, which if it happens in the off season, has an impact but doesn't have a huge impact. And uh, I think for me, I'm kind of resigned to the fact that we will probably technically see uh, some type of lockout here once we get to uh, December. The hope is that the collective bargaining agreement will be worked out. And we heard some things kind of uh, that that were leaked a little bit this past week in terms of the way baseball wants to uh, evaluate players and uh, kind of a change to arbitration and a change to when uh, players can get to free agency and using some more advanced statistics uh, in, in evaluation. And that's how players would get paid. I mean, there's just a lot going on. And really, it's it's so early on. And the ideas that are being floated out there for me personally, and, and look, I'm not the I'm not the end all and be all to evaluate the way uh, discussions are going, but I just have a really hard time believing that some of this stuff that we're hearing over the course of the last week or so is is anywhere close to actually happening. To me, it feels like maybe early on in the bargaining, where if you're if you're the owners and you start way out here. Well, then, as you continue to move inward, if you're moving at like that same pace uh, the the other side is moving, you started so, 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 so far out there that maybe you're able to uh, get a little bit more to where you want to be eventually. I don't know. Maybe that's a bad way to, uh, to evaluate it. We will certainly just have to uh, wait and see. The hope is that there is no official work stoppage, official in the sense that things are not missed, that pitchers and catchers don't have to report late, that spring training games don't end late, that the start of the regular season does not end late. That is the end-all, be-all goal. If uh, if there's technically a lockout in December and in, in January, that is not the end of the world, and to me, it, that almost seems like a foregone conclusion. But the news uh, involving the Brewers this week, uh, they announced that they are hiring co-hitting coaches in Ozzie Timmons and Connor Dawson. Uh, Dawson comes from the Mariner system. He is a young guy. He is just 28 years old, while Timmons, he comes from the Rays, and uh, he is a little bit older, a little, little more old school, but certainly not somebody who you know, ignores data and ignores analytics or anything like that. That's not the case. The Brewers certainly would not bring somebody in like that. I think it's going to be really interesting, by the way, um, to see how two guys who really don't have a connection with each other are going to work together. Um, that, that had to be something that is, as David Stearns and Matt Arnold were going through the process, one of the things that they had to be 
cognizant of, aware of, keep just kind of trying to figure out is how, what to, because I'm going to assume that they went into this thinking that having kind of the two, two-headed attack to this is the, the direction that they wanted to go. So if you're not going to bring in guys, people, could have been a woman, but if you're not going to bring in individuals who have worked together previously, who have a relationship, well then not only is finding people who are going to instruct and do everything that you want them to do from an organizational standpoint important, but also finding the type of people who have the personality where working together is something that's going to be uh, pretty easy for them to do. And that's going to be a big part of this relationship. But the the thing here is get Christian Yelich right. I'm not trying to put too much pressure on, on anybody here, but that's the, that's the number one goal for the organization this offseason. And everybody who is involved in it that's their number one job. Get Christian Yelich right. He's the face of the franchise. He's a former MVP, and he just hasn't been right for the last couple of years, and getting him right is important. Not to go back to the CBA, but I'll say this. I think it's another for the Brewers. I think there is a. Uh, I think it's really important that spring training starts on time because you don't want an interruption. You don't want the routine to be any different for Christian Yelich. Uh, that that could impact him. I'm a big believer that spring training matters and getting the full spring training in matters and just being part of that standard 12-month-a-year uh, baseball routine, just doing that the way you've always done it, that all of that matters. So for Yelich, I think that absolutely does matter in just being able to uh, give him the best chance to have uh, that big bounce back that you would certainly like him to uh, be able to uh, have. Uh, the Brewers make a move, small move, but a move that sir, will probably uh, impact the Major League roster for sure as uh, they, they make another move with the Tampa Bay Rays. These two teams and organizations uh, like to trade with each other as the Brewers have acquired infielder Mike Brasseau from the Rays. Uh, he is somebody who can play all over the field. That certainly is something the team likes. Club control is certainly something that the team likes, so he certainly fits as somebody who can be part of the, uh, as they say, the position player group. Uh, He is somebody who has had a very, very, very big moment. He's best known for hitting the uh, tie-breaking home run in the bottom of the eighth inning in Game 5 of the 2020 American League uh, Division Series against the Yankees. He he didn't have a fantastic year this past year, but certainly somebody that you can see clearly a fit uh, on the rosters. He's somebody who's going to be an everyday-in-the-lineup kind of guy. You would think probably not but certainly somebody who is uh, can, can fit and can be used in many ways by manager uh, Craig Council. Also, we'll talk about this. Uh, Will Salmon is our featured guest uh, from The Athletic. He's going to join us coming up in uh, just a few moments or so. Uh, we'll really get into this with him. There continues to be more rumors connecting uh, David Stearns to the Mets, and now the latest rumors are the Mets are willing to wait for Stearns' contract to uh, expire, To you know that they would just not hire a president of baseball operations and wait for David Stearns. We don't even know for sure if it's one or two years left on Stearns' contract. This is something that's really hard for me to be able to evaluate. There's the, if there's smoke, there's fire aspect to it. But at the same time, the Mets have been going after David Stearns for for an extended amount of time now, and he's still with the Brewers. And even if he is under contract, like we, we all watch sports, right? Like You're not... You're not listening to this podcast if you're not a sports fan. 
when when an individual wants out, whether it's a player, whether it's a front office executive, when they want out, they get out. It might take some time. It might take some sacrifices. It might take another team giving up something. But if, a, if, if somebody wants out, so if David Stearns did not want to be working for the Brewers, if all he wanted was to be working for the Mets, well, he'd be working for the Mets. They He would have something would have happened and they would have figured out a way and that has not happened yet so I don't know I mean is is it impossible is it for sure not going to happen that he's going to end up with the Mets somehow I don't know um nothing nothing is ever impossible I just it feels like there's always these rumors and nothing ever comes of it so it's almost one of those things that you know it's it's the boy who cried wolf right like until until something actually happens it's hard for me to believe that something actually is going to happen. He seems he seems very happy in Milwaukee. He seems content in Milwaukee, and he seems to have a very strong desire to win a World Series in Milwaukee as well. All right, a lot to get to. I just kind of went through the uh, the major talking points of the week. We will discuss all of those things with uh, Will Salmon. Covers the Brewers for The Athletic. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably already following him on Twitter, at Will Salmon, W-I-L-L-S-A-M-M-O-N. Uh, yeah, great. Subscribe to The Athletic. Fantastic journalism, fantastic uh, storytelling. Will joins us right now. Will, thanks so much for your time. How are you? I've been really well. Enjoying the offseason. Always glad to touch base with you, so happy to join. Yeah, um, and, and as mentioned, there were certainly some things that happened uh, this past week. Let's start with the uh, hitting coach situation as the team is bringing in co-hitting coaches in Ozzie Timmons and Connor Dawson. Uh, it seems like one of the two is a little bit younger and is more into uh, using data, where the other one is kind of more of the old school kind of uh, coach, and the team is really hoping that these two can come together to create quite the two-headed monster. What was your takeaway? And, and David Sir even said that he feels like this is going to be the direction that more and more teams go towards moving forward. What was your initial reaction when you saw that uh, they were bringing in co-hitting coaches as opposed to a hitting coach and an assistant, and reportedly they are still going to bring in an assistant to uh, work with these guys? Well, I would say first, you know, shout out to one of the commenters on The Athletic when Andy Haynes was fired and we learned that was not going to have his contract renewed at the end when it expired in late October. Um, somebody like wrote on that story, like, hey, why don't they do what the Giants do? Like, why don't they just hire a bunch of people or a handful of people? Because it seems like this job is, is uh, pretty intense. And there's a lot on Andy Haynes' plate, or at least there was. And, you know, I looked at that comment and I was like, wow, you know, maybe they should be paying this guy to write about the team, whoever this is. <laughs> but no, I, I just thought it was a really astute comment. I thought it made a lot of sense. And, you know, I kind of ran it by people actually, um, and they were like, "Yeah, you know, that is something that we're kind of considering." Um, obviously, that was code for, "Yeah, we're, we're doing this." Actually, um, I didn't know that exactly, but at the time, but all that to say, you know, I wasn't you know, necessarily surprised. I thought what David Stern said is accurate. You know, Stern said that like that we'll see more teams doing it, and what I just said earlier is true. The Giants actually did it, and they've had success with it. And what should be music to the Brewers' ears is that they had guys who were veteran players who were coming off of maybe some down seasons or some uncharacteristically, I don't want to say poor seasons, but just not up to their standards, whether it was Brandon Crawford or you know, other veteran players. I mean, Buster Posey was out for a whole year. Um, he sat out 2020, and he had arguably the best year of his career. So it's like 
they were able to tap into guys and establish trust that way. And I think it helps because you have a coach dedicated to his segment of players and it's a smaller segment. Um, and they're kind of rotating in. This is just from like a little bit. I know about how the giants operated just from asking around, but it was a really collaborative approach. You have guys like rotating in doing different jobs and coming up with ideas together and presenting them as such. It's not just like one person bringing it to the table. It's a collective effort. It's a bunch of different, it's a couple of different people who are sitting there going over the numbers, going over the data, um, understanding who that player is and trying to come up with a plan that works. And I feel like when you have that and when you have more people dedicated to that, the better the results should be. That really makes sense. And so with the two guys that the Brewers have, Ozzy Simmons um, is one guy who I know fairly okay just because like, I was around the Montgomery Biscuits actually, funny enough, um, in 2015. So I kind of, I've spoken to him a couple of times and I kind of have a good idea of who he is and what he's about. And then they hired Connor Dawson from the, from the Mariners. And as you put it, you know, the, the, in, the baseball industry sort of only allows for two buckets, right? Like you have the old school people who are like traditionalists and then you have the other guys who are like progressive analytical types, right? Uh, and it only allows for that, it seems. Like there's never anybody in between. And that's me being, um, uh, exa- I'm exaggerating a little bit with that, but that's kind of how it is. With Patrick Simmons, I feel like he's as close to a hybrid as you can get of that because he did actually refer to himself as like sort of like an old school type during his interview with uh, the Brewers reporters. Uh, but he's really good from what I understand and just from talking with people around the Rays, uh, just being really like a plus human being, which is always nice to read and see. Uh, he's really good at connecting with people. Um, he was their coach uh, with the Rays during spring training where I think he'd actually have the barbecue going. He'd be that guy. Um, so hopefully he brings up to Arizona and he offers us leftovers. So that would be pretty nice. Uh, beyond that, though, like I just feel like what I'm getting at is, is he has like a really good, like natural, positive vibe to him. Uh, he already has that sort of uh, experience of being not necessarily a co um, working alongside the Rays, but you know he's somebody that is always open to offering up the wisdom, the experience, hitting mentality, and sort of just getting to establish that trust with hitters. And I think it's going to be critical because he's been there and he's done that. And he's been doing this for 15, 20 years. And then with Dawson, uh, he's different, right? Um, he's only coming to Major League Baseball, I believe, 2019, 2020 was his first years with the Mariners. And 2020 was him being in charge of their hitting at the alternate site. And then he became their minor league hitting coordinator um, just last year. And David Stearns, I asked, just because me, I, I get to be kind of blunt with these questions sometimes when I don't really understand something or I don't know about somebody. And with Dawson, I had no idea who this person was. So I just asked, like, flat out, like, you know, what is it about him that, that you like or that struck your attention? How did he win you over in the interview process? And, you know, Stearns was really high on him, and just he said that he came, everybody that he spoke to couldn't say, um, couldn't speak high, more, you know, higher about him than they did. Uh, they just really liked the way that he was able to break down his techniques and just the way that he would able to take his programs and, and what he's been doing and what he's learned and able to sort of uh, put that into a program for an individual hitter. And I think that's a huge part of what baseball teams are trying to do. And he's been able to execute that with the Mariners. In theory, that should work with the Brewers as well. I find it really fascinating that 
because if they hire um, if they hire two people who like are already in the organization, then they probably have a pretty good idea of how these two people are going to work together. In many ways, there's a gamble to hiring two separate people who don't really have a relationship and asking them to serve shoulder to shoulder as a two-headed monster in a role that historically has been held by just one person. I, that that can't be an easy process to go through. If they go into it saying, we want to hire two people, and then they go hire two people who are not already con- you know, connected in some way, that that's, that's a tough thing to do. Yeah, I think that's a legitimate concern, actually. I really do. Uh, that's something I brought up in the article that I wrote for The Athletic is you know, you're hiring two people who they don't know each They didn't know each other. They weren't interviewed together. Uh, they never worked together before. So that's, and then you're saying they're going to be your co-guys for, let's face it, this is uh, something that you let go of somebody for. Like, this isn't something that's been great. This has been, uh, you know, something that hasn't gone the way that you, you wanted it to go. As, you know, obviously we were talking about the offense here, the, the hitting. Uh, there were times last year where it was okay, and, and you thought that things were going fairly well, um, but it was not consistent. And it's something that they had to address when they are. But now you're addressing it with two guys, like I said, who don't know each other, who um, just never worked with each other. But again, I think the flip side of that is, you know, you and I, for let's take you and I, for instance, right? We worked similar fields. If if we were to like start a podcast together, right, or if or if we joined a media company together, I think we have enough years together where we it's separate entities, but we have enough years doing what we're doing to kind of make it work. At least I would. Maybe you don't want to work with me, or maybe you hate me, but um, you know I respect you, and, and I think you do a really good job at, at your job. And what I'm trying to get at is, I think anytime you put two people who are in their respective fields, and you're saying, okay, here work together. It's not like they've never worked with anybody else together. I mean, Ozzie Timmons is basically in a, in a very, very similar, if not the same situation with the Rays. So he has done this before, just with a different group and a different coach. I think it has amplified the pressure and the concerns when it is people you don't know and a whole team that you don't know. So on that end, I think that it may help and behoove the Brewers to maybe hire, make that third person somebody within the organization. Um, somebody who, I don't know, maybe it could be somebody like uh, Al LaBeouf who's their uh, AAA hitting coach at uh, Nashville Sounds. Um, that's somebody who maybe is worth considering for that third spot. Um, there's somebody like that who has a familiarity with um, some of the players on this team, whether it's Tyrone Taylor, Keston Hira, guys who have come up um, on rehab assignments or he's worked with in the past. I think that helps. And so maybe that's the answer. Or maybe it's not. Maybe you know, they decide to hell with it. Let's just go with a whole new approach here because what we've done in the past hasn't exactly worked the way we wanted it to anyway. So I can see both sides of it, long-winded way of saying that, I guess. Um, but it is a legitimate concern. No, but it's, it's, it's a great point by you. Um, do you is, is the number one goal of this hire just to get Christian Yelich going? Is that the single biggest thing for these hitting coaches? Yeah, I, I think it's the single biggest thing in their offseason and heading into the spring training. It will be the single biggest thing. And then heading into the first, in, into April 2022, it's the single biggest thing. Um, it's probably a little bit unfair to kind of pin that on the hitting coaches. I think it's more of like the front office has to figure this out. You know, you're, I mean, Craig Council has to figure this out for that matter. The guys who have been around Christian Yelich the whole, since he's been with Brewers, it's on them to figure it out. Not two new guys that you just hired, I feel like, because that's, that's unfair pressure. 
Um, like, I mean, I get it. It's their job. They're the hitting coaches, but, and they'll help and it's on them to help. And they, and it's their part of their job to figure it out. But it, to me, I, I look at, you got to point the finger at the front office, Craig Council, guys who have been with Christian Yelich, Christian Yelich himself. <laughs> I mean, but before I get to it being an Ozzy Timmons and um, Dawson problem or issue, um, because if it extends, then, you know, if it extends to 2022, which I don't think it will, I do think I'm in the group that says that he will bounce back and he will get over whatever it is that's bothering him or preventing him from posting um, numbers that we know he's capable of. Um, if it extends, then, then, yeah, that's probably part of the problem. But we also learned that there's maybe more to it than just a hitting coach or um, maybe there's just a disconnect with something. I don't know. Um, but no doubt, that's definitely the, the biggest concern now in spring training and the first month of the season. Not to relitigate the the Andy Haynes decision, but I think you're an interesting person to ask about that because you had that piece that you wrote um, in the second half of the year that talked a lot about the team's uh, reaction to off-speed pitches and how you, you got into basically early on in the season there wasn't enough data to make changes and then once they got to a certain point there was there was enough of a sample size where they could start they could start really looking at things and, and the numbers really did improve now the offense kind of it, it was it's weird because we think about the start of the season and the end of the season and they were both bad but the middle of the year they were one of the better hitting teams in baseball and and that largely gets forgotten when you when you kind of assess the decision with Andy Haynes and now, therefore, uh, this decision to bring in co-hitting coaches, how do you kind of evaluate what what went down last year? Because it probably wasn't as bad as some people thought it was, but it certainly wasn't as good as maybe the people who were really defending Andy Haynes thought it was either. Yeah, you know, Matt, you know, a funny thing happened in the middle of the season, too, with the Brewers. They got better players. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like they got a few better better hitters. And so I think that's... That that helped that helped Andy Haynes' cause and that helped the team. Um, but that said too, it's, I mean, Willie Adams came to Milwaukee and posted the best numbers of his life. And I don't think it's just he put on a Brewers uniform and all of a sudden everything was figured out and you know he became this great player and they just like put some magic dust on him and he became excellent. I don't think that it was that simple. I think that Andy Haynes did have something to do with that. Um, Jacob Cruz as well, for that matter. I'm sure. And there were guys who had good seasons. Um, Luis Urias is somebody that, you know, suddenly was able to hit 25, 30 home runs um, after hitting zero last year. Avisel Garcia had a, had a pretty solid season. Omar Nervais, until the, um, until the end of the season, where I, I'm under the impression he may have hit a wall just because of the amount of games and innings he was catching early on, perhaps that caught up to him, especially after a 2020 season that was truncated. That's not something anybody really talks about, but I think that's real. And I think that I'd be interested to see the numbers on catchers um, in September and see if it's anything different than, you know, a normal September. But um, what I'm getting at is that there were some, some good things that happened offensively. And like to your point, there was a, a point this year where things were trending pretty well. But I think the, the issues were that there were some bigger concerns, one being Christian Yelich, um, the other just the overall output, um, not just a segment of the season, but when you look at the whole picture, it just wasn't enough improvement. And I don't even know if that's really an indictment on Andy Haynes, because if you look at just the livelihood of the profession, you know, Sarah's for the Athletic did the numbers recently, and I think it was like one and a half seasons 
was the average for 30 clubs for their hitting coaches. And it's like, what? That's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, nobody sticks around more than a couple of seasons. Why? Probably just pitching has been dominant the last handful of seasons in, in Major League Baseball. That's part of it. Everybody's trying to figure out hitting. It's not just the Brewers who are a pitching savvy, a pitching savvy team that is lagging behind with hitting a little bit, or their hitting is lagging behind their pitching, I should say. It's not just them. Um, Cleveland comes to mind as a similar team like that. Um, so there's that. So yeah, I, I think just like a, a different voice um, was going to help this team, or at least in theory it should help the team, and you just weren't going to get that with the status quo, unfortunately, for any hands. The other, and there's a few big things, but... The Mets have been connected to David Stearns for two years. The Brewers keep denying permission. We have no clue if Stearns has one more year on his contract or two more years on his contract. Nobody is saying anything. There gets the, the report has floated out this past week that the Mets may just hire a GM and just wait a year for David Stearns. Stearns won't comment on it. I mean, there's just there's so many different voices and so many reports, and there's so many people with different narratives and also, probably more importantly, uh, people who are trying to push you know one, an agenda here or there how do you view everything that's being said right now in terms of David Stearns maybe eventually ending up with the Mets? Well, that's a tough one. I feel like um, if I was in their front office, maybe I'd feel a little bit even uh, distracted at some points, right? Because it's, I think it's only natural. I think anybody who says that they're not is probably lying about it um, just because it's like, how do you not? That's like your head of operations, and it's being floated that he's not just floated, but like actually like reported by a, I'd like to think a reputable place. It's the one that I work for. So I'd like to think that it's pretty reputable. Um, But, you know, the athletic reported that the Mets are willing to wait until the season after next season, if it takes that long, um, believing that that would be enough time to to hire Stearns away. And I don't know how that's not distracting. And I don't know what the right play is either. You know, if you're David Stearns, like, how does he know what's going to happen a year or two from now? So it's like, as much as I think people would love for him to say, you know, oh, you know, screw the Mets, I'll never go there or something like that. Like, why would he say something like that? You know, nobody says anything like that. And the people who do are silly because it's like, you could be fired in six months for whatever reason. And then what? And then, you, then you already, like, ruined your chances of going somewhere else or saying some stupid stuff. Like, he's just really um, measured with his comments. And he's never going to, like, say or reveal much at all, um, frankly, about what he's doing with the team, let alone his own his own self. So it's what I expected from him. Um, and I, you know, I don't know if it says one thing or one thing one way or the other. It doesn't. Um, it accepts the fact that I think the, that he is um, very, very into the idea of winning the World Series with the Brewers. Um, when I was watching him, just observing him, during the NLDS, I saw a guy who was intense um, and just really wanting to win games. Um, I saw him before games, uh, pacing a little bit back and forth, trying to loosen himself up as if he was playing. Um, that was my observation, at least. And uh, This is a team that's already managed to move. It's not as if they're standing pat here or just waiting around. Like They're pretty active. Um, they're not huge moves, but they're typical moves that we always see, so... I feel like it's business as usual for, for Milwaukee. What I said earlier um, at the beginning of the answer to your question about just being a little bit distracted, that's just me personally just saying like to myself, like, man, 
I wonder, um, because, you know, he is arguably the best executive in baseball. Um, when you look at what he's doing and what he's working with and the unprecedented success that he's had with this franchise, um, this franchise is doing things that it's never done before under his watch. And so, like, does it cross his mind that, you know, you know what if I had more flexibility financially? Um, I don't know. I don't know if that's something that entices him or if he really loves the challenge of doing it this way and making it work in different ways. I don't know that answer. Um, I can see it from either side, and only he can really answer that one. This next question, people listening might not even really care about this part of it because it's not specifically related to the Brewers. But for me, the most interesting thing about, yeah, generally if something like that gets leaked, it gets leaked for a reason. If I'm one of these candidates Mm. for this Mets GM job and a ton of people have already turned it down and maybe being the Mets GM for one year is better than never being a, a GM at all. But if I'm one of these candidates... I am incredibly uncomfortable with the idea that my new boss might still be a year away from being here, and I don't know if he likes me or not. Yeah, I think that's valid, sure. And they, by the way, they also don't have a manager. <laughs> There's also, like, I think they have a fishing coach, and that's, like, the only thing that the Mets have right now. They have a fishing coach, Jeremy Hefner, but do they have anything else? I mean, I don't even know if they have hitting coaches or anything like that right now. So it's like... They're going to have to have those guys, right, before this season. I think that's how it works. Like, you hire a manager, and he manages the games, and, you know, you win some, and then you lose some, and, and you reassess what to do. But they're going to have to hire somebody. And so that person's going to have to then work with David Stearns and, and next year for in two years. Like, it's just weird. It's just a funky thing to kind of think about. Um, and so I don't know. I don't know, like, how that, you know, I'm, I'm, I wasn't part of the, that story. So I can't really speak to how that unfolded or, you know, how, how that information was received. Um, but yeah, I think you're right. I think there's always like some sort of like, um, thing that we're not seeing maybe whenever like you see anonymous sources, sometimes there is like ulterior motive or, um, and you have to be wary of that. I don't know if that's the case here at all. No idea, frankly. Uh, but it does raise a lot of questions like that, you know, with, you know, they're going to have to, there's also Sammy Alderson, it's a huge part of what they're doing. And all we keep reading about from New York is he's going to step aside to the business aspect. I mean, they've been writing that for like three years. You know, I grew up in New York. I, I read that stuff all the time. It, it's been the same story. That hasn't changed. And it's like every offseason is the same story. So I don't know. I don't really know what to make of that situation at all. Um, and also, if you're an executive, like, do you want to go into that situation with the Mets? Um, I think Mark Antonacio, um, I don't know where he lands on the scale of owners to work with. I don't work with him. Um, I've heard good things and I've heard some, uh, some bad things, just like I hear good things and bad things about anybody. But, you know, Steve Cohen seemed, I don't know, I, I it's a guy who, in New York, he's in the news every day. Um, the reputation there that the building, um, he seems pretty hands on with Twitter and stuff like that. So, like, you want to step into that situation? I don't know. Um, so it's weird. There's a lot of layers to it that to have somebody like waiting in the wings like a year from now only adds to the um, just the weirdness involved and just the, the intrigue to it all too. Now it involves the Brewers. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we're we're probably going to see some type of lockout here uh, when we get to December. It seems 
incredibly unlikely that uh, a CBA is going to be ratified before that point, and we don't even know when the season's going to get started. You know, it's just it's, anytime those two sides get together, it doesn't seem to go well. Is it? Is it interesting to you right now that we're in free agency and then all of a sudden we might hit a point and everything just kind of potentially will stop? Yeah, I hate that. <laughs> I hope I find it interesting. I just hate it. I think, I think, I think it stinks. Um, it's, it's pretty funny that that's the reality of it, that that's a huge possibility. Uh, it's unfortunate. I don't know like what it means. Sometimes you read things where like guys will hold out because of the uncertainty. And then there's reports, and you talk to some agents and whatnot, and people are like, you know what? Maybe we'll just sign a little bit earlier than we thought, and just to have that stability with us, and to have that peace of mind that no matter what happens, we're locked in, and we know our fate. Um, we can just prepare for the season. If that if a stoppage occurs, we can just focus on, you know, what we need to do in a normal off season, and have that behind us, get it out of the way. So maybe there is a flurry of activity that occurs. I think um, between what. It's like what November 14th or 15th. Uh, by, by the time we're talking now, and then the end of the month, you know, maybe two week stretch here where there is maybe a flurry of activity that makes that point that I'm that I'm throwing out there that you know there are there are probably a, a group of guys who would prefer to just get that done um, if they can. So we'll see. Uh, it's definitely one of those things that maybe we see one way or the other. Um, maybe that activity will come the week after everything gets resolved or the days after everything gets resolved. Maybe it's like a crazy week like that. One way or the other, we'll see a couple of weeks that are just uh, an intense amount of activity. I'm a, I'm a big believer that spring training is not too long. I've seen it way too many times where guys sign late and they just don't have good – we can say Jackie Bradley Jr. this year. I don't know if that was part of it or not, but he did not get the full spring training. And if they don't get a deal done by the time pitchers and catchers are supposed to report and say there is a shortened spring training, and we, and we obviously saw what happened baseball-wide in the, the pandemic year where you had the very short training camp before the season got started. Like, there's a reason that spring training is as long as it is. You know, Somebody like Christian Yelich – the last thing he needs is an interrupted spring training or a shortened spring training or the routine not being there or him not being able to get into a facility, that that sort of thing. I'm concerned about that. Do you share any of those type of concerns? Yeah, totally. I think that guys are holding for that normalcy. I think that there was a lot of that. Like last year was, I should say, was refreshing in that sense because you received a lot more of that things were still um, now that I think back to the spring training things were still a little bit with the protocols in place so things were still a little bit different but it was definitely better it was definitely progress from 2020 so yeah I think anytime like that gets interrupted you're going to have more concerns than you normally would particularly for guys coming off rough seasons where that's the last thing they need or guys coming off of injuries too um, where they have certain timelines and goals that they're trying to trying to reach, and sometimes it could be helpful, I guess. Maybe the maybe the delay, um, but to have it abbreviated. I mean, we saw it a little bit with Devin Williams last year, where he was coming off of that that injury late in the 2020 season, and then he kind of had a weird sort of, um, or not weird, but slowed rehab. Uh, from what I understand, that was by design anyway. But I'm getting at it. Sometimes it takes a while to kind of get things going, particularly for a pitcher coming off of injury. 
And so, like, the last thing you'll need is the ability to, like, have that delayed, the idea of facing live hitters, and to not know exactly where your stuff is or how it's playing and to kind of work out those kinks. It wouldn't be helpful. Last thing for you, uh, the team made an acquisition. They acquire infielder Mike Brousseau from the Tampa Bay Rays. These two organizations continue. Their, they're very like-minded organizations, and they tend to make a number uh, of moves. His overall numbers are not great. He's had... Uh, specifically one really big moment, but he's been kind of a big moment guy. He can play a bunch of positions. He seems like a guy who fits into the Brewers, but at the same time, probably not a big difference maker at the same time. Yeah, that's probably accurate. I think he, what I like about the team, I mean, what I like about what the team has done so far this offseason is the one thing that I was kind of concerned about, not really concerned, but just one thing that I kept kind of thinking about was and partially this was because of injury with Mark Mathias or whoever else, but I felt like they could have had a higher floor. What I'm saying is that, like, there were some players on that roster that I felt like may probably wouldn't have been on other teams' rosters um, that were playoff teams, and yet they were getting, like, a higher amount of at-bats or pitching a certain amount of innings that other playoff teams just didn't have the title player. Maybe that's just reality for, like, a small market team like the Brewers. Um, but a guy who they acquired in uh, Brosso from the Rays, like he kind of raises that floor for them. You know, he's been in big moments. Um, he's been to the World Series. He's produced. Uh, he's come off a down year last year, but he still hit lefties relatively well, so we can kind of see him in like a platoon, uh, maybe give Colton Wong a day off at second base here and there, um, spell a couple of other guys in the lineup, so things like that. Um, so, I mean, it's a good trade. He's pre-arbitration eligible. Won't be a, you know, won't cost them much for long. Has a couple of minor league options and plays a bunch of positions. So it's typical David David Stern's Brewers trade. Um, nobody nobody talks about the pitcher that they gave away for the guy, but that dude was pretty good uh, for for low uh, minor league stuff. I mean, I think he had like hundred hundred strikeouts in sixty innings. Um, so you know, all of a sudden the the, the Rays have him, uh, Rasmussen, JP Fireisen, so they have a few. They're liking what the Brewers are doing with pitchers. That's, that's, and that tells me a lot about the, what just how sustainable the Brewers' pitching program is. That the, the Brewers are willing to deal from from that end of their pitching depth. Um, we saw a couple of trades like that in July as well, where they were able to trade from that from that group of guys that you know I've, I've posted some really good numbers, albeit at the lower levels. And when you could do that and still get what you get what you want to get. I think that says a lot about their pitching depth within their within their system. No, it absolutely, absolutely does. Uh, Will, certainly appreciate you taking a little bit of time with us. Uh, hopefully we can do this time or two again uh, over the course of the offseason. And most importantly, we're hoping that the uh, they, they, they get a CBA done and stuff can run uh, normally. But uh, encourage everybody to follow you on Twitter. More importantly, subscribe to The Athletic. Read Will. Read everybody else. Read uh, the, from a national standpoint. Uh, they've got the, the insiders of all insiders. Uh, so The Athletic, obviously, uh, a great thing and something I read on an everyday basis. Will, thank you so much for your time, and I look forward to talking to you again real soon. All right, Matt. Thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. Will Salmon joining us here on the podcast. Appreciate his time and appreciate you for being tuned in. And uh, that is just about going to wrap things up for uh, this week's program. We'll be back next week. Uh, Brewers Weekly continues to air Thursday nights on WTMJ. I do a lot of basketball play-by-play, so I'm kind of in and out. When I am out, Greg Matzik is there, but you still get uh, your week's worth of uh, Brewers talk on WTMJ. 
on uh, Thursday nights from uh, 8 o'clock to uh, 9 o'clock, whether I'm there or not. And, of course, we continue on with this podcast on an every week basis. Again, thanks to Will Salmon for uh, joining us on the podcast. Thanks to you for being tuned in. And we'll talk to you again next week for another edition of Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast powered by WTMJ Mobile. Thanks for listening to Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. Matt will be back next week with another episode. For all the latest Brewers news, keep listening to a home of the Brewers. News Radio 620 WTMJ.